0: People. It's your girl, Frederica McClary Easley, back with another episode of Bum, 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 Bum. The people are blunt. So, housekeeping. You know I got to do it. We are on all the platforms, good people. YouTube, Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon Prime. Like, subscribe, check us out, do all the good things. Um, you take your time, I'll take my time. And that will make this platform much better, a much better time for all of us. If you have questions, comments, concerns, people you want us to talk with, talk to, or um, subject matters you want us to dive into, please let me know. Uh, the People's Ecosystem. Go over, check out our merch, as well as our CBD line, uh, because we are still federally illegal, you know we don't have interstate commerce, and so we can't ship THC to all of you, but we do have some amazing um, tinctures and transdermal patches, that are CBD. So go check that out as well as the merch. And if you are in Albuquerque, New Mexico, Mary James Cafe, check out my girl Melanie there. Um, she has our THC line along with other items like our Tosi treats, which are amazing because they're fast acting. Um, they're a part of day three labs with unlock it technology. So all of the good stuff attaches to a protein as opposed to emulsifiers. And guess what? Our body knows what to do with the protein. So you have a quick onset, lasting effect, traditional effect of gummies. Um, It's pretty dope and it's a social strain. So I love it. Hopefully you will as well. If you're in Cali, we are in all of these places, right? So Santa Rosa, Sacramento, LA, Oakland, San Fran, and Guarneville. And without further ado, I have an amazing guest with me today, Miss Anukat. How are you? I am doing very well, and I'm super thrilled and excited to be here on this podcast. Thank you for having me. I am so happy that you are here. Uh, So first of all, for those who do not know uh, Anu, this is a lady who wears many hats and has many talents. I'm talking about real estate, tech, finance, um, an attorney by trade. Like you are, um, as Whitney would say, you are every woman. Um, I appreciate the way you've put that. But um, if you go
1: back to my story, it actually, uh, I was at each stage of my life where um, I had to show up. Um, That was the need. That was the need of the hour. And um, I didn't plan it that way. But uh, I just showed up. And
0: that's my story. But you know what, Anu? That's what women do, right? Um, We our doers, we we see needs, we identify them, and we get stuff done. Uh, in my former life, I was an organizer, and so the trick of the trade was always: you go to the busiest person because the busiest person is going to get it done. And and you you nailed
1: it. You said it right. That's why you know when people uh, introduce me in a certain way, I just in my mind: no, we are women, and we, all women are special because we all do this. We all do this day in and day out. This is who we are. There's nothing special about us. This is how our DNA operates.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We see all the things. Our tentacles are everywhere. And then add to that, you know, you are a wife, you are a mom, uh, you are a daughter, you know, you are a part of these communities, right? So you are um, just wearing many hats. My first question is, how do you balance all of this shit? I do it as a man.
1: (laughs) A man would only, so uh, I don't know about uh, a lot of men, but the men that I've been raised and who are involved in my life, Mm -hmm. uh, multitasking is a big challenge for them. So I have seen them how they delegate tasks. And when these people say that, how do you balance things? I act like a man. I delegate things. I make sure that, you know, every aspect of my role has a help and that's how I function.
0: First of all, I have never heard it like that. Like talk about tapping into your masculine and feminine energy. That was a bar right there. Okay. Like, as we would say that you just dropped the gym. I hope everyone picked it up because that usually when you hear about women, especially in corporate spaces and, uh, you know, as founders, entrepreneurs in the C-suite, um, It is often like that toxic masculinity that gets tapped into, right? And so you see the caring side, the nurturing side be pushed aside a little bit and more so the um, just really assertive, maybe a little kind of aggressive, you know, those traits that have more of a negative connotation to it. So I love that you said like, look, I delegate. I also I I think that scenario is
1: changing Patrick where you know I I see now more founders more CEOs tapping into the vulnerability tapping into uh, their emotional wellness tapping yeah. into maintaining their mental health and, and 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 leading through making change around them yeah you know I I see new leaders who are empathetic new leaders who want to bring in social change and um, I, I believe this is the new norm that's going to happen
0: going forward. And I love that. I love that you're bringing your full self forward. More leaders are bringing, and I would say women that we're ushering in that change. Like yes. we are, we're ushering it in. We're saying, Hey, come with us. There's more than one way to to handle this and to be successful. Um, and speaking of wellness, I want to tap into that because I know a part of your cannabis journey. So again, For those who don't know, entrepreneur, founder of um, Social Dispensary in Illinois, um, northwest suburbs of Illinois, right? Over by O'Hare, correct? Yes, Park Ridge, O'Hare. Park Ridge, okay. Um, And you are the first Indian American woman um, who has been given, or not even given, I'll say, who has a dispensary or has an equity license in Illinois. That is so true. Yes, you're right. Okay. Perfect. So let's dip, let's dip into this wellness piece because I was doing my research and I saw that your cannabis journey, first of all, it's a part of your heritage, right? Like we know this plant has been used for centuries, right? Okay. Um, But your personal journey though, came at a time where you needed to prioritize your own wellness, And so tap into that a little bit, and I'm interested to know how you dealt with that um, and being just kind of open about it because of the stigma. So
1: um, I was born and raised in India, and um, in our community, we are always encouraged to try alternative medicine when it comes to healing yourself uh, in your physical or mental space. And um, be it Chinese medicine, medicine, or you know Ayurveda, or cannabis. Um, so we are allowed to experiment uh, beyond traditional, you know, pharmaceutical, uh, medication. So this was something not new to me while I was growing up. Um, though cannabis was a taboo in our community and it is still a taboo in our community and nobody talks about it. And I don't know why. So when I came to America, I did not have access to alternative medicine, uh, while I was living here and I'm an immigrant and I moved to America in 2008. And that really sort of took a toll on my physical and mental health because, um, I wasn't very dependent on pharmaceutical medication, so I had to figure out a way to, you know, balance my uh, mental and physical needs. And um, uh, for for the, since 20, 2008 till twenty seventeen, I had uh, I had a very misfortunate uh, event in my life where I was pregnant for seven to eight times, but I was only successful in having uh, successful in keeping one pregnancy till full term. And um, the pharmacy medications were not helping me. They were not helping me, um, you know, take care of my um, mental well-being. And that's when I uh, started looking into different options. And I was like, oh, my God, I need to figure out how I can, you know, uh, acquire cannabis. And uh, let me tell you, Illinois was not legal at the point of time. I, I know. And somebody like me who is an immigrant and who looks like this brown skinned woman and who wears a pantsuit and who is very corporate, trying to figure out how to get uh, weed from the other source was very difficult. But I was successful. I um, I made some good friends (laughs) and I was able to get my weed uh, and I was able to heal myself you know yeah. and i just felt like you know during those dark moments in my life cannabis was my only friend yeah uh, i just felt that you know the plant understood me i felt that the plant uh was very helpful in my healing journey and i and i kept looking at it and i was like why are we not talking about it why are we not uh, uh vocal about the medicinal benefits of this plant and how it can help you achieve the desired results which I don't think so medications have it in them and that's how my journey and you know looking into licenses or even you know my my curiosity about the entire cannabis
0: industry started thank you for being um transparent i know you've told that story but thank you for sharing it because there are so many mothers or women who wish to become mothers um, but because it's still federally illegal, and especially women of color, trying to navigate this and dealing with our healthcare system, you know, um, it can be very dangerous. You know, we, we're yes. still seeing cases where mothers are being locked up or their kids are being taken from them um, for consuming this plant. So this is a part of normalizing it. Uh, But also I want to acknowledge, right, like that you were doing a very courageous thing in caring for yourself. But it was very courageous.
1: Let me talk about there. There is abuse in everything that we do. Food is abusive to our body if you do, you know, if you consume it in a certain limit. Alcohol is abusive. Water is abusive. So what is that? So understanding the fact that, you know, you have to balance your consumption, you have to be mindful Education, information
0: really helps going a long way. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. We said all the time, like, look, you can overdo anything. Yes. Okay. Um, And so, this, we know historically where this stigma, where cannabis came from like We know that it was attached to You know the, the flower power era Right like these hippies We know mm. it was attached to jazz musicians We know it was attached, uh, attached To the Mexican community um, All in these fear campaigns Right and they did a hell of a job <laughs> They did a hell of a job And we're undoing it right um, But you're absolutely right So okay 2008 you come over, you come to America and you are dealing with these struggles of, you know, trying to become a mom, trying to manage, um, what all, a lot of, a lot of women have difficulty, right. Procreating. It's not something that we talk about, yes. right. Um, I'm a mom of two and there's so many things like my girlfriends and I, we try to be really intentional about having honest conversations about mothering, uh, because, Outside of my baby is the best thing ever. And, you know, this was easy or whatever, or this was, you know, labor was difficult. No one really talks about like the inner workings. So, but you find healing. And then some years down the line, Illinois announces that they're going to start regulating. And what happens to you? What clicks?
1: I submit six applications in 2014. And <laughs> that's what happened.
0: <laughs> applications you were like immediately.
1: Yes, applications were easy, Federica, for me, because um I used to be an attorney. So I was very proud of the fact that, oh, it's easy peasy. I'll write applications. It's not a big deal. So we did. Uh, so when state became uh, medicinal, so we were like, let's do it. You know, we did. We did six applications, but we didn't win any. It crashed me. It crashed my spirits. OK, like, I,
0: it humbled me also. <laughs> was like I'm used to winning. I'm used to I'm used to getting stuff done. What do you mean? What yeah. Happened? So it humbled me. So this
1: is this is really great about cannabis industry because, you know, they will make you they will make you do the work. Yeah. Okay, if you're not putting in the work, this is not the industry for you. And that's when I took a step back to reassess, you know, what is it that is now working in my favor? What a great team in terms of, you know, writing applications. So I went and hired the best uh, law firm in the country. Uh, we went with Greenspoon motor for my next round of applications in 2019. The state did mess up, but we ended up winning one license. And here we are with my first flagship store in
0: Park Ridge, Illinois. Thank you. (laughs) And congratulations on that. So um, it really uh, warmed my spirit when I read that your dispensary is a majority employee owned um, facility. So I want you to go into that, like why that was important for you um, and, and how did you structure it?
1: So, um, before even getting into it, I want to make a concept very clear to our audience that is, you know, in our journey, there is some point of time where you have to define your enough. What yes. is enough for you? Yeah. For me and my husband, we have defined our enough, you know, well, we are blessed to be in America. We have realized our American dream. We have built just not one, but three ventures, uh yes. 10 or 15 years and. uh, This is a lot for us, you know, and we are very grateful that, you know, we are able to witness this. So when it came to cannabis industry, we were very intentional right from the beginning that, you know, we would go with social equity by employment. Mm -hmm. See, everybody talks about expungement, but nobody talks about, you know, when you expunge uh, a charge from somebody's record. But what are you doing with them? You know, are you are you involving them in the economics of cannabis? Are you involving them? Are you bringing them to the mainstream? You know? I, I like advocacy. I like activism. But for me, is it going to make money? So there was a gap there, you know, like, how are you helping people in the cannabis industry? Like, where are they getting benefited from the entire thing? And that's where uh, when the state of Illinois came up with a social equity program by employment, I was like, you know what, I told my husband, this is our chance. This is what we need to do. And we intentionally put up an application where we wanted to be social equity by employment, where we am, you are mandated to hire people from communities that have been impacted by war on drugs and DIA communities. And that's how we did it. And now most of our employees are from those areas. They maintain and manage the dispensary. Frederick, uh, our dispensary is more than 65 days or 70 days in operation. I as a founder, I do not take a salary. I do not take. I do not partake in profits. I do not take a salary. We will roll out a ESA pro- program. We are in, still in talking with our um, attorneys, but we have an amazing profit sharing uh, plan for most of our tenders and our teammates. And that's how I want to go forward.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, kudos to y'all for acknowledging you're enough. But I think that there are a couple of gems in there and I want to kind of like break that down. Um, One of the things, you were very clear on your why. Like personally, you decided like what was enough, you and your husband, your family, you are stable. You're financially stable. You can take care of yourself. But in terms of this business venture, you were very clear on, and it took some time, as you said, but you got really clear and centered on your why. That is important because when you do elevator pitches, right? Like when people are asking you, you need to be very clear on that. Like you need to unequivocally be able to spit that out without a whole bunch of him and it Okay. So you had your why. The other thing is, I feel like you put yourself in the position of a justice impacted individual And so an advocacy looks a number of ways, right? There's not one way to advocate, but what would they want? It's like, yes, my record is expunged, but I'm out here. And now, you know, in terms of my resume, I have maybe a 10 year gap or a 15 year gap where um, I was not gainfully employed or where, you know, I was working menial jobs that really didn't even take my skill set into account because I had that F on my chest. And so you and your husband's decision to tap into, like, how do we bring them into this, right? And and not just as workers, but in a meaningful way. I think that those are very key pieces.
1: That's true. And and my entire concept was to create leaders in their own way. You know, it's just not about giving them a paycheck. But, you know, um, if if they can read a Google review about them, or if they hear a really amazing, positive feedback from a consumer that they uh educated about the about a certain product yes. or how they're making an impact so for me it was just not bringing them to the economics of cannabis but also making sure that they feel that they are th- there's a tangible impact that they're leaving behind yeah. and that's that exactly is what my mission and vision is and that is what is giving me fulfillment
0: so far yeah they have ownership this is their dispensary just as much as it's yours absolutely and they run it that way you know fortunately
1: i do not have to go and manage the retail store on a daily basis but i see what an excellent job they have done managing the entire dispensary
0: yeah and that also speaks to trust like the fact that like this is essentially like your baby but you do not have to micromanage you don't have to be there um on a, a daily basis and do that day-to-day piece it shows the trust that you have of your staff and also the trust and respect that they have for you.
1: Absolutely. And it comes when women are leaders and yeah. when women are put in a position where they can make a difference.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when, when question, two questions, one, when you were hiring and people heard about, you know, just this different model, right? Cause this is not the norm. What was the reaction? And then what has that done to your recruitment and retention efforts?
1: Let me tell you, I was very mean when I was hiring people. (laughs) Because you know how people will come and they will talk about social equity and how they believe in the mission and vision. And I'm like, okay, your talk is not impressing me here. Okay, you are here because, you know, you see a personal brand. Are you here because, you know, we are doing amazing thing on LinkedIn or social media and that's what is attracting you. Mm -hmm. But tell me how much hours are how? What kind of volunteer or activism have you done in real life, you know? So I asked those tough questions to them, okay, just to see, just to assess, you know, if they were the right fit or not. Yeah. But apart from that, we also uh, collaborated with a lot of non-for-profit around us, um, Uh, Illinois Women in Cannabis, they started a cohort with Amplify Chicago, where they got in, um, I think, 15 to 20 uh, women, and they trained them to be butt tenders. And I kid you not, like, my heart was full when I heard about that cohort. And we hired three to four people uh, from that cohort. And that's how our entire journey started about hiring uh, good people. You know, like, I... uh, I may have interviewed like more than fifteen hundred people in all my ventures, so I have this knack of you know figuring out who's real deal and who's not a real deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: you're not new to this. It's yeah. like yeah, you know. I, I I can see
1: through people. I can see through people, and, and I, I don't hesitate even calling out and telling them on their face that you know, don't try that, okay? <laughs> don't try that on me. <laughs> you're not here to impress me, and I'm not a bit impressed, you know, with your answers because people came in and then be like, oh my god, I knew I really like your story. I like what you're doing. I like the entire social equity concept. I'm like, yeah, that's fine, but what have you done? Have you volunteered somewhere? Have you done anything for the community? And they will be like, no, we were working for MSOs. We didn't have time, we didn't have the money. I'm like, that's not an excuse. It's just so, so you came here because I'm doing something good, but what about you? What have you done? You know, so I asked them direct questions and that's how I assessed if they were going to be a fit for my team or not.
0: Yeah, yeah. First of all, I love it. You you like the uh you like the quiet storm out here new because you come <laughs> off, it's like, oh, she's so nice. And then you come in with the venom, like, um <laughs> how, how are you gonna add to my team? There you go, just don't
1: talk. Like talk is the talk is cheap, okay. you know. Are you walking the talk? You know, show, right. me, show me that proof, you know. That's so, right. Yeah, that's how i, I did weed a lot of people out and that's okay. how i built an incredible incredible team
0: yeah yeah i i love it i love it like you are speaking all of my language here cuz it's like what are you doing that you're not getting paid for right what are you doing like simply because it is good and it is the right thing to do and and i also don't believe in like people from marginalized communities like our labor being free But there's also a real thing of like if you're a part of this community um then investing in the community is investing in yourself right like we 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 get those benefits so i love it um you selected the northwest suburbs you're out by o'hare was that a strategic move um and going out that way And, and please dig into that because you know, there are so many viewers who are like thinking about this journey and everybody, you know, a lot of times they want to be right in the city. They want to be right in the mix of things. Um, But with that comes a lot of stress, you know what I mean? Um, And having to deal with those parameters around like, you know, schools and churches and, you know, all of those like kind of red flag areas that you have to stay out of. So, how, how did how did you think about that with your strategy?
1: So with retail, uh, first and foremost thing, if you have the right location, then you'll win. So anybody who wants to get into retail, make sure location is key. Yes. And you have to believe in your location, too. So we had certain filters, uh, you know, when we were uh, looking for location for our retail store. And this particular location did fit the bill. Okay. Um, and, and, uh one of the main reasons was it was close to O'Hare,
0: mm-hmm. and we wanted
1: to tap in the traveling tourist. Mm-hmm. And uh, I get off the plane,
0: come see us. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that, that's intention, you know. I wish I could participate with most of the airlines, you know, where you can send them text message the moment the flight lands, and oh wow, okay, there's a dispenser nearby, and you know, and we have twenty percent discount. Come and buy our yeah. products, you know. Yeah, to do that, you know, <laughs> sometime soon. One day, one, one day. day. There you go. One day, but. Um, so we we had we still have those uh, parameters of looking into a great location, uh, but uh, this particular location uh, we had to pay double the price for it. Let me tell you because I was so invested in this location. We actually so I like buying my real estate. I I I feel very uneasy if I have to depend on a landlord because a you are spending a lot of money in building a vault, and uh, what if the landlord changes their mind and. I didn't want it to be in a situation like that, you know, depending on anyone. So cannabis real estate, let me tell you, is super expensive. Uh, somehow commercial real estate and, and the the price for cannabis real estate, there's it's, it's three times. OK, and the banks are not super friendly. We were, Federica, we were like one of the top five applications that Credit Union 1 approved for lending. Yes. And we were super excited about that. So uh, but then we had to we had to sort of prove them that, you know, we had funds for the entire buying price. So I had to, like, you know, show them funds. I also had to put 18 months of mortgage in the bank's escrow. Wait, I'm sorry, 18 months of mortgage. Wow. Yes, in their escrow. And 150% of my construction money also necessary. So, so the bank did hell like 1 million of my money when I bought that property. And it's cannabis. And nobody prepared me for this. You know, let me tell you, when, you know, when I got into this industry, I was super naive. You know, when I was doing my financial projection, I was like, oh, building a dispensary is, you know, not that difficult. But no, there's so many hidden costs there that, you know, until and unless you walk that journey, you will not know.
0: Okay, let's pause for a minute here. Okay, um, this is one of the things that really aggravates me about the cannabis industry because you pay taxes, you pay hella taxes because we have 280E, right? So you're paying more than the average business in taxes. You don't have traditional access. Now you you manage to 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 get fund you know to get lending right to have um, the backing of the bank but what you had to go through to get it right. Um, And when we're thinking about a lot of equity applicants, I'm not going to say the majority, right. But I'm going to say a lot of equity applicants, especially those who may have been justice impacted. They may not have all that. Yes. Right. They may not have all that. I mean, just hearing 18 months, 150% of, of um, your build out costs. Like that is a lot. That is a lot. Um. Let's talk about advice though here, because I know that you're an angel investor. Grab I've been all in your business, so I know you're an angel investor, uh, and you have this back, you know, background in real estate and all of this. Um, and I know that recently you all um, raised three million uh, in capital for expansion. But because you're an angel angel investor, you know that it's very difficult for women and people of color to get VC to get venture capital, right? Um, you may not be able to go to the bank. That's still very taboo in this industry. And you know, it's very difficult, especially for startup, especially like entry entry point, like that first year, they always want to see a proven concept. So what are, what is your advice in terms of navigating like the money, the financial aspect of all of this? What advice would you give? For women,
1: uh, one of the first and foremost advice uh, or, or uh, something that my viewpoint I would like to share is start speaking the language of money mm. i see a lot of women don't do that you know so start so when i say start speaking the language of money is understand what is an nibta understand what is an roi understand understand from the point of view of an investor you know they don't care about social equity they don't care about women don't they don't care about anything you know if if somebody is bringing certain amount of money to you and they are planning to invest what is it that they are uh, mm. So, so for me, I, I had the background of two previous ventures. So okay. it was a little easier for me because I was established in different industry before getting into cannabis industry, but yes. raising fund in cannabis industry, extremely difficult, you know, so, um, uh, knocking doors, uh, becoming, you know, coming up with your own, um, I call it sales pitch. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to have that sales pitch. If you are not a salesperson, it'll be very difficult for you to raise money. So wear your sales hat, make sure that you understand your financials, make sure you speak the language of money. And also you have to relentlessly network. You know, for me, I thought that, you know, I was doing the traditional way of raising fund by, you know, uh, going to people with money, with my worldview. But mm-hmm. that's wasn't working for me. So I changed my strategy where, you know, I was approaching people who shared my uh, world view of making a difference in the community and then asking them,
0: do you have money? Can you invest in
1: mine? <laughs> Like,
0: help me make this difference.
1: Yes. Yeah. So so the entire concept of impact investing is something very new in the cannabis industry. And there, there there, are people who really believe in those kind of, you know, investing. So go and look out for people that believe in your worldview, who believe in your vision,
0: but also make sure that you're leveling up to their standards. Got you. Uh, y'all, more gems are being dropped. I hope y'all catching them. Uh, the language of money putting on your sales hat, if you don't have a sales hat, baby, you need to, you need to work at, uh, at making one or partner, make sure that whoever is in your, your realm, your partner, someone has to have the sales hat, baby. Okay. Um, and then also get uncomfortable, like step out of your comfort. Cause I think that's what you were just speaking to is that you had an idea of who your, your targets should be. And then you had to move beyond that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So speaking of targets, because, you know, look, you really believed in this location uh, so much so that you were willing to pay double uh, (laughs) the price for it. Right. Um, You own your, you own the property. That's a, that's a drop right there. Um, And all that you spoke to in terms of not being beholden to a landlord and having to deal with those. Um, Those nuances, um, those are so important. But so outside of you wanting to get the traffic from O'Hare, which my husband is from Chicago. He's from the South Side of Chicago. Anytime we fly into Chicago, I'm like, I can't do (laughs) O'Hare. O'Hare, your O'Hare makes makes my nerves so bad. So the fact that you are there... Is perfect because when you get through with O'Hare, whether it's the traffic or coming through that airport, you need something,
1: okay? Anyone who's visiting Chicago needs something because Chicago is a different animal. (laughs) You need something to deal with Chicago.
0: (laughs) Period. Okay? Period. Um, But have you found, outside of the travelers, but have you found, has socio found its niche? Have you found your demographic? And if so, how would you describe it
1: we are still very new to identify our demography i'll be honest with you we are into business we are we'll be completing we are, we are less than two months into business so we I, I think to have that data i probably would need six to eight months of you know okay. the entire cycle to identify okay. you know what is making sense what is not making sense for us uh but uh but with the with our reports and the trends that i see in my dispensary um women are the majority of consumer <laughs> vapes are preferred more um we are doing really well with flower there's a social equity brand uh, out of south side of chicago and it's called the 1937 group yeah. and they launched their uh, vape blue and within a month it uh that vape uh, I, I think the entire brand were like the second highest selling sellers in our dispensary and that's what, you know, makes me happy. I want more women owned brand doing better. I want more social equity brand doing better, you know? And when I see those trends, that makes my heart do a happy dance. <laughs> yeah.
0: And also shout out to you for putting them on the shelves, right? Because that is one of the difficult things of equity, um, of equity brands is that you got to play that song and dance, you know, again, you have to be a salesperson when you're going to dispensaries and convincing them like, hey, not only should I be on your shelf, but you should also like give me um, some preferential, you know, placement, if you will, so that, you know, I'm eye candy that people people see that. I feel like Target and Target is not sponsoring any of this, but I'm, I'm just going to say because I do love them. I feel like they do a really good job with um with equity brands and giving them great placement.
1: Absolutely. And I believe in the retail display makes a lot more difference, especially if somebody is a uh, new a consumer and they, they're they beginning their journey in the world of cannabis uh, they will only limit themselves to what they see what their eye catches so yeah. this is what we do we always sort of you know every week we have a, a vendor of the week we have a brand of the week we promote them we place them strategically uh, in a way that you know they get their first uh, view when somebody enters our store. And, and this is how you can help all the brands. This is how you, you know, you also educate consumer, what is going on in the market? What are the new brands? And this is how you can help social equity and women-owned brands as well.
0: I love that. I love that rotation. You show on love to everyone. So uh, before we get out of here, personally, what is your preferred method of consumption?
1: Edibles. I'm an edible girl. Edible. I love all forms of edibles. And uh, my favorite brands are Wana and Wild. There are a few local brands. Um, I'm not sure if you've heard, we have Canna Works, which mm. is also a social equity brand, and the gummies are amazing. Uh, if you ever come to Illinois, I would urge you to try that. And um, I love
0: my edibles. I I will be there in a little while and I come back and forth because again, hubby's from there. And so we have to bring the babies. So next time I'm in town, I'm definitely, I'm definitely hollering at you. I'm definitely stopping by. Um, Okay. So you love edibles. Uh, Are you, and I know this is not even, uh, not even strict anymore. There's been so much crossbreeding, but are you hybrid indica or sativa? Straight indica girl. OK, like, I need to relax. I need to relax, you know. And uh, but,
1: but, uh, when I used to source my uh, my stuff from the parallel. Yeah, from, universe, from your we man from your Wii, man. from my parallel universe. <laughs> I used to do Rick Simpson oil and okay. and, and, and oh, I kid you not. I still haven't found that quality in Illinois. So. You know, like that stuff was so good. That was so potent and so powerful yeah and i kid you not and i wish that you know uh we could do something to bridge the gap between legacy and legal and that's something i'm very passionate about and then i hope that you know we will able to see that you know we are connecting the right people when it comes to cultivation and growing the right weed
0: you know it's something that we're passionate about as well um i think one of the first steps has to be amnesty yes because what incentive do legacy operators have for coming into this regulated space? I mean, you have to think about it. You can't threaten them with the stick of law enforcement. They've been dealing with that shit for years. Like nobody's worried, right? Or whatever worry they have, they've already figured out how to measure that, right? So you can't threaten them with that. Um, you're dealing with regulations. This That is crazy and ever-changing. You want to take most of my profits with 280e, right? Uh, in addition to regular taxes, so I feel like the the start of that conversation has to be amnesty. How do we make it so that whatever assets they currently have, whether it's money, uh, connections, product—of course, product needs to be tested—but how do we uh, allow legacy op- legacy operators and help them to transition? Holistically, like where wherever they are right now.
1: Yes, and absolutely, and this comes from uh, lobbying with policy advisors. Our policies need to change at the federal yes. level. Okay, yes. getting rid of 280, possibly. Uh, though when it comes to cultivation and other, they are they don't get so much affected in terms yes. of you know how we dispensaries get affected by 280. Yes. yes, and also. They bring in I, I think legacy operator bring in immense knowledge, which I think legal world doesn't have the legal cannabis world doesn't have. What we well, bring us the business acumen. Yes. So there has to be a good marriage between these two. You know, why not work with these people? You know, let's let's build a harmony. Let's it's their world that they started the entire thing. And we are here because, you know, just because we tapped on into the legal world and you know we, we were very clever about you know writing applications and making it a point.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: I just believe
0: that it's their world. Absolutely. And we are here to help them. Absolutely. That's what it should be. Like legacy operators show just how profitable this is, right? Um, and a part of why it's being regulated is because they want that money. You know our government wants that money. They want that tax revenue. They saw what was coming in, and it's like the same way they did with alcohol prohibition. It was like, yo, we need this money. Um, so it's a little more difficult in trying to figure out how to how to regulate it, right? And 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 also dealing with the the history of it, right? That lasted way longer than alcohol prohibition. Um, very taxing on communities. Right. So we got to deal with all of that. So yeah.
1: too to that yeah. community. So I yeah. think each of us, you know, who are in
0: this business of cannabis, we owe it to the legacy people. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. Um, before we get out of here, Anu, what do you want to leave the people with? Love the plant. Talk about the plant more. Share
1: the medicinal benefits. Share how good this plant is. The more you talk about it, the more you advocate about the benefit of the plant. We all as a community, we win. So
0: show your love for the plant. Uh, I have nothing else to say, y'all. That was the drop of the day. That was what we needed. Show your love. Speak often. Speak loudly. Speak bluntly. And until next time, Stay blunt, y'all. Stay blunt. <laughs>